Grace be unto you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our meditation here this morning is recorded in Psalm 97. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes up before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of, of images are put to shame, who made their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all the gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Give thanks to his holy name. Amen. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It must have taken a special sort of chutzpah, that's Jewish boldness, for the Israelites to sing this psalm. For the historical record certainly wasn't on their side. After 732 BC, the Israelites were almost continually under the jackboots of foreign oppressors. For all intents and purposes, it looked like the God of Israel had been defeated, first by the Assyrians, next by the Babylonians, followed by the Medes and the Persians. Then there were those of the Greeks and the Romans. But let's forget about the Israelites for a moment. Is it really wise for us to continue meditating upon this psalm today? For, do, for by doing so, it might slip into our conversations might change the way that we live, might even expose us as Christians. For when Jesus confessed that he was the king of Psalm 97, they crucified him. When Christians have made this confession their own, Muslims have beheaded them. And then there are all of those efforts to root out Christianity in our world today through re-education, or through legislation. But if we today are starting to question the cost of discipleship, then we too need Psalm 97 to refill us again with that same chutzpah. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad. Psalm 97 wasn't written for untested Christians. It was meant for those who felt God's justice was being snuffed out all around them. It was meant for those especially who were oppressed by the faith, 
For Psalm 97 is a cry of resistance. It's our fight song, if you will. It says in the face of every oppressor, do your worst, for the king of righteousness will vindicate us. In fact, he reigns even now. All you have done is squandered your time of grace on this earth. And if you keep waging war against him, then behold, you will see a terrible and awful spectacle when he comes again on the last day in glory. For our text says, clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. When Christ the King returns on Judgment Day, Paul tells us, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those on earth and those under the earth. Clearly, all angels and all believers will bend the knee in adoration of our king. And yet this psalm tells us that the demons and the unbelievers will be brought to their knees. They too will acknowledge that Christ is Lord, but as a shame-filled capitulation to their forever destruction. This is what is meant by these words. All worshipers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, you gods. To put it simply, unbelievers unknowingly serve demons. This is what St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. Now I imply that what pagans sacrifice to idols, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Now, no one in their right mind would bet on a demon over against the sovereign Lord. And yet, on the last day, many will watch in horror as the gods they championed turned out to be nothing more than devils. Now, before we start wrapping ourselves up in Christ's flag, we too got to ask ourselves, are we going to be numbered with the idolaters? But the psalmist says the righteous are those who hate evil. Now, it's not so much the evil that disgusts us that this text is talking about. It's talking about all the evil that no longer bothers us. That's the evil that is so dangerous. For whenever an evil is consciously and deliberately chosen, it replaces God in our hearts until we repent of that sin. One evil that can so easily become such is our cultural infatuation with malcontentedness. For we are not only unsatisfied with our own lives, we're unsatisfied with everyone else. And somehow we think that of only, somehow we think that we can gain satisfaction in our lives if we spend our time ripping apart everyone else in our lives. Satan was indeed quite ingenious when he designed malcontentedness. For you see, he's got us serving his agenda. All the while, we think we're really serving our own agenda. All at the expense of everyone else. You see, there's no middle ground between the devil and between God. You're either a citizen of heaven 
or you're a slave of hell. When I was a child, I remember one of those first times I gained some sense of, of all the injustices in the world. At that moment, a well-meaning old-timer tried to give me some much-needed perspective. I must have been very exasperating that day. For he said to me, don't worry about it, kid. God will get even. I took much solace in that phrase. I liked the idea that God would give all the bad guys their comeuppance in this life. It seemed to resonate with this psalm, doesn't it? And yet the psalmist tells us to hate evil, not the sinner. Elsewhere, in the book of Ezekiel, God tells us, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their way and live. Now Christ could have subjugated us like death, but instead he chose to make peace between God and between men. He came in order to free us from our, our conscription in the devil's army and to make us whole again. If anyone had reason to be malcontented, it was Christ. Just think about it. His whole existence was meant to be a scapegoat for you and me. Think of all the psychological trauma that must have caused him. And yet, isn't it surprising that he went headlong into destruction willingly, not even lodging one single complaint of resentment against each one of us. Not only that, but this sacrificial lamb is even more surprising, for he entered into hell and became a divine Trojan horse for us. For by allowing death to consume him, he broke open death's prison house, freeing us forever from Satan's terrible grasp. After delivering us, he reconciled us and he preserves us. Not only that, he gives us the power to remain free of malcontentedness and he gives us shalom. That is, he gives us peace and wholeness again. For every time we meditate upon these psalms, that old troll, that death seated in each one of us is killed. And a renewed human being bursts forth from the ashes. This is the function of Psalm 97 in our lives. It's kind of sort of like a Christian kung fu of sorts. When the late great Bruce Lee was asked to explain his style of kung fu, he explained it this way. He said it was fighting without fighting. Likewise, the goal of Psalm 97 is to fight our oppressors without fighting. This is why Psalm 97 is so deeply dangerous to the sinful establishment. For those that regularly meditate upon this psalm will be transformed. Those who are transformed will transform others with the means of grace. And by continually fighting without fighting, our oppressors will eventually be disarmed and transformed, not to their destruction, but to their glory with us as well. Light is indeed sown for the righteous. We are the children of light, empowered to reflect Christ's light to the whole world. For the psalmist says, 
For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all the gods. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Give thanks to his holy name. Amen.